Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Liverpool Comedy Improv Cast with me, Ian Luke Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community, and today's guest is the truly inspirational Jess Napthine Hodgkinson. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Jesse's true story about making stuff up. I'm pleased welcome this week's guest to the podcast. She's one of the co-founders of Gloss Up Improv, and she is a fantastic improviser. It is Jess. Please welcome Jess. Yay! <laughs> thank you so I'll, I'll much. I'll do my own crowd noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm really excited to get to know more about you. No, oh, thank you for having me. So I want to jump straight into all things improv, and I want to ask you about your improv journey. How did you get into improv? I started doing improv about 15 years ago and it was a colleague of mine. I was um, working for the prison service at the time and a colleague of mine would come in every Tuesday and she would be so excited and she would say, oh, we had a brilliant improv session last night and we did this and we did that. And it sounded really weird. And so I thought, hmm. That sounds interesting. And I was always quite kind of shy and quite a nervous person and didn't really uh, feel comfortable speaking to people. So I, I sort of thought I need to get a handle on this. So improv sounds like it's a, an interesting way to do that. So I went along to my first improv class and it was just like somebody had just turned on a light switch. I was just found it incredible that I could just jump in and be a completely different person. And I felt really comfortable suddenly talking to people that I'd never met before. If I could do it just as another person, I was like, oh, right, this is how people socialise in the real world. <laughs> so I talk to people sometimes about that penny drop moment when you might have been doing improv for a while and all of a sudden you just get it. Do you think that you had that instantly from the first moment? I think, um, I don't think I was good at improv, just like right from the <laughs> off. Um, but I certainly, it definitely changed something in me. And there was something that I found quite instinctive about it. And I think that was partly to do with uh, like my first improv teacher. He was just such a... Um, such an interesting, such an engaging person that it was just really difficult not to just trust him and do the weird things that he told us to do. And I sort yeah. of thought, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I can do this. And then sort of as I as I went on with it, I think to start with, um, I think a lot of people have something like beginner's luck in improv. Mm. So when you are first sort of taught the rules of improv, you know, say yes and, don't block, don't ask too many questions, all of this kind of stuff. To start with, it just seems really easy to do really good improv. And I see it as a teacher, I see it all the time. People coming to improv for the first time and 
everybody seems to be a natural at it. Everybody seems to be brilliant, like right from the off. Yeah. And then you sort of hit a point, I think, sort of for me, it was when I'd been doing it like around six months that suddenly all of my scenes were like really flat and didn't really go anywhere. And I was sort of, I would do a scene and then I'd be kicking myself saying, thinking, oh, I didn't really come up with a strong character in that scene, or they gave me an offer and I blocked it, or that scene just hit a bit of a dead end. And I think it's because after about, you know, once you've got to grips with the basics and then you start sort of trying to push yourself, you then start to be aware of all of the things that you might get wrong, in inverted commas. Um, Not that you can get things wrong in improv, (laughs) Um, but I think once you become aware of, oh, these are the things that I should be doing to make this scene work, or these are the things I should be doing to make my scene partner look good, you suddenly become really aware of whenever you haven't done those things, so you can get a bit in your own head. And so I think a lot of people sort of hit that point of having a bit of a, a crisis of confidence sort of early on. And when you first got into improv, was it something that it was instantly right I'm doing it every week or was it just dipping your toe in here and there yeah I, I yeah I went from yeah doing no improv at all <laughs> to doing improv every week and then I think fairly soon I did some shows because um, my first improv teacher David Ash he was always really keen on people doing shows as early as they could okay because he said this this all means nothing if you if you can't do it in front of an audience because you can you you can practice till the cows come home and you can congratulate yourself on how clever that scene was or how funny that scene was but it's only when you stand up in front of an audience and do it that you get that feedback and he said it's really good for for you to learn and you will find that the things that all of your improv teammates might have thought were really clever, really funny. If the audience don't get it, if the audience don't like it, then it becomes really apparent really quickly. And it's a really, really good way to learn not to kind of be in a little echo chamber, which I think (laughs) it can happen in improv. And um, yeah, I think having an audience there, if people don't enjoy what you're doing, they will let you know. (laughs) (laughs) A bit more, a bit more kind of abruptly than maybe your teammates might. So where were these sessions based when you first started doing them? This was in Lancaster. It was a group called Improv Express. And um, David Ash had set up this group. And it was a bit odd because Lancaster is quite a small city. Um, And I'd been to university there, which is why I was still living in Lancaster. And uh, I should say there's something about Lancaster called the Pendle Witch's Curse, which is that if you go to university in Lancaster, you are pretty much guaranteed to live there for another 10 years after, <laughs> after you finish, which is what happened to me or what happened right. to a lot of people I know. Um, so, yeah, so I was in Lancaster and David had, he trained as an actor when he was young um, and then he hadn't, really got enough work as an actor to to make it a sustainable living so then he'd gone into catering for years but always had this passion for um, improv and for acting 
So he also ran uh, children's drama sessions as well. And he'd just set up this group, Improv Express, in a place where not many people had ever heard of improv before. There were, you know, there was a, you know, a couple of groups in London at that time and one group in Manchester. But other than that, there were not many groups in, across the whole country when, when David first set up Improv Express. But he was, that improv was the thing that had really kind of caught his passion. So he would go out to America every year or go over wow. to Sweden, to all over the place to improv festivals. And so when when we first when I first started improv, all I that all the names I kept hearing were like, oh, Jill Bernard taught me this and Joe Bill taught <laughs> me this and you know, Mark Sutton taught me this. And so it's been amazing like getting to meet those people. Um yeah, so it was a bit of a, a strange kind of place to have this very small but very passionate <laughs> improv community and was it was it short form based or was it long form or a bit of both so we did short form shows mainly but uh, david was always really passionate about developing story and developing okay. character and it not being super super gimmicky sort of short form he was always really keen for it to be sort of more story based so we did we did do a lot of short form, but there was also a lot of kind of long form sort of ethos in there as well. Awesome. And is is improv a far cry from your line of work? Um, yeah, I think so, because I'm um, I work at the University of Manchester and I work in a research data management team. So okay. my, my day job is uh, advising researchers how to manage their data so okay. you would think that that doesn't really have a lot to do with improv but I've sort of managed to kind of crowbar in improv throughout my career so any opportunity for me to deliver training I take that opportunity so when I started at Manchester I was speaking with one of the learning developers and I said I think it would be really good to have something about public speaking because there's a lot of researchers obviously that need to do a lot of public speaking they need to get their research ideas across and present at conferences and not only that but have the confidence to speak up in meetings they, they get you know to build their career and to to have that confidence in themselves as public speakers and I said I think improv is is a really good way to do that so I um, set up a, a sort of wrote a a session and yeah I've been delivering that for about two or three years now wow. and it's become one of the most popular sessions that we do for researchers so yeah so wherever I go I try and crowbar a bit of improv in and how does the teaching of improv compare to the just enjoying it and doing it uh, I love teaching improv so much I, I keep trying to work out whether I, I like teaching improv more than I like doing it. I think I think maybe I do. Um, because what I really love is when you see somebody do a scene and then, especially now that we're on Zoom, because you can see everybody's reactions yeah. at, you know, all at once right in front of you. So when you see somebody do a scene, and then the scene finishes and there's just a little moment of silence 
And then you see like a big grin come over somebody's face and you think, yes, you, you, that scene was perfect. You made such good choices and you built character and you did all this stuff. And just to see sort of week on week, that's why I love um, having Glossop Improv, working with the same people week on week. And yeah. I love that we occasionally get other people dropping in to join us. That's lovely. <laughs> but it's really nice to have that core group and to see everybody's sort of progress, not in terms of any kind of, you know, nobody's having to jump through hoops or anything like that, but just to see somebody pushing themselves like, well, as you know, this week we've, we've been doing the uh, Vapapo series, yeah. which is Jill Bernard's methods for, for character creation. And this week, everybody really stepped outside their comfort zone and they allowed themselves to be vulnerable and to explore things that maybe they wouldn't normally explore. Yeah. And everybody seems to get so much out of it. And just seeing people do that and having people place that trust in me as a teacher to, to help them through that is just, it's so rewarding. And it's, yeah, it's just wonderful. Yeah, I did some proper acting this week. You did, you absolutely <laughs> did. And I, I was just there going, oh, look at Ian go, <laughs> this is incredible. And one thing that I think is great about you as a teacher is, you're always out there learning. You know, I, I always hear of you being in courses with other people or I've encountered you. I remember doing uh, Becky Webb's course at LCI and you were yeah. part of that. And you're currently doing uh, an improv acting course or? Yes. Yeah. With Queen City Comedy. And yeah, yeah that is phenomenal. That's, that's a real, I really love that course so much because it, it feels like hard work. And that's what I want. That's what yeah. I want when I go to an improv course. I want to uh, maybe maybe not so much for just a one-off workshop, you know, like an elective workshop. If that doesn't like really, really push me, that's fine because I've, I've had a good time. I've learned, you know, whatever aspect yeah. I wanted to learn. But for longer courses, if, if I've come out of it feeling, whoa, that was, that was hard work, then that's, that's good that's that's doing what I want it to do because I yeah. want something to challenge me because I don't I think I'm a bit wary of of teachers that you never encounter on any courses uh. or you never see them at any <laughs> workshops because I think all of the best teachers are also learning all the time so if you're not also taking workshops if you're not you know active in the in the community in other ways yeah. then I don't know how you can kind of keep up your professional development as a teacher without going to other sessions and to learn from other people. Yeah. And it's great. I, you know, I encounter you at jams and, and various mm. other things. And I, I just think it's really great because you are, you're out there and you're offering this free service of yeah, um, giving people a chance to come and to learn and to hone their skills. It, it, you know, Glossop Improv is, it's not just, it's not just a place you just, drop in and play a few yeah. silly games and then you go you know there's always a method behind the weekly session and we're always building towards yeah. something and to know that that's coming from well it's from you and from Seki and both of you yeah. are constantly learning you're always out there trying to improve yourself and then pass it on to others yeah absolutely I think you have to I think 
to to be an effective teacher you have to be constantly learning yourself and you have to also you have to also you know do the performance side of it as well because yeah, yeah like I've always got David Ash's voice in the back of my head going unless you're performing regularly then how do you know whether this stuff actually works <laughs> um so I think it's always good to kind of get some some performance time in there but I think it can be difficult to kind of balance the whole things and I think there have definitely been times when I've you know taught more than I've performed or I've performed more than I've been to classes um so I try and kind of keep those things in balance so yeah, yeah. see because my day job is a teacher I, I yeah. think the idea of me trying to teach improv you're already it, doing it all the time <laughs> yeah so for me i just love to come and play i i like yeah. hosting the, the occasional game or the occasional yeah. session um where we're focusing on something in particular but mostly i just like to to just turn up and play <laughs> yeah but yeah ho- learning to host and learning to facilitate games is such a, a useful skill and that's why i try and encourage people in gossip improv whenever we do a show i sort of ask people if they if they would like to do you want to run this game or do you want to do some hosting of the show so we've had uh, some of our members host shows before and always in our you know our friday workshops if somebody's got an idea for a game that they want to play then they can host it they can facilitate it because that's one of the best ways to learn a game because that's where you you look at it a bit more academically and you sort of see okay so what does this game need in order to succeed what what are the skills that we're using in this game what kind of suggestion do we need um who would this suit you know out out of the people that i work with all the time and whose styles i know who do i think would really love this game and does that mean they should play it or does that mean other people should play it? Because maybe there's other people that this game would benefit more because it's outside their comfort zone. And yeah, learning all of that kind of stuff is is really, really helpful. And you mentioned styles now. What sort of style would you describe your improv as? Oh, I, I've been asked this question before and I, I've never got a, <laughs> a good answer. Um, I... I know that I'm not an initiator, so I okay. tend to hang back and, you know, allow other people to do that. So I have to force myself in, in classes to, to do that, to, to try and challenge myself to initiate, to go in with, with an idea, with an offer straight away, because I know that my natural tendency is to kind of hang back, wait for the other person to kind of give something or um you know, just it can just be that they, they they make a sound they say a word whatever i i will normally allow the other person to to go first and then i will support them i'm i'm really keen on the the narrative side of things as well so my brain wants to make sense of who are these people why are they here right. what is going on and so I will quite often try to put in a bit of detail to to really solidify what is going on between those people in that scene. Um, yeah, and I like to play in a quite a, a grounded way. <clears throat> I'm not, I very rarely, 
like, oh, we are aliens on <laughs> this planet. Um, it's normally quite a, you know, a relationship based sort of, I, I like the sort of serious, more serious side of improv or the, the not necessarily more serious, but the less overtly wacky, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and I sometimes ask people, what they do if they get stuck in a scene but i, I want to ask you something slightly different because i actually learned from you the term brain fog i had not heard of the term brain mm -hmm. fog before and now that's a, a really big thing that people talk mm -hmm. about in improv in particular and yeah. you've got a whole group dedicated to to brain uh -huh. fog so can we yeah. talk about uh, that for a bit yeah absolutely so um yeah i set the brain fog group up um end of summer last year i think uh yeah something like that um because i am an improviser with ms multiple sclerosis and so occasionally i will experience periods of fatigue and quite often periods of brain fog where my brain will sort of be reaching for a word or a phrase or something like that and it just won't come yeah. or sort of it can't really grasp processes so you know improv games where it's got lots of patterns going on at once sometimes my brain will just go no not today we're not doing this <laughs> um which can be really tricky uh, when you're when you're doing that kind of thing but it can also be quite tricky in scenes because sometimes also my brain will decide to just substitute one word for another so i might think i'm going to say a particular thing and then something entirely different comes out of my mouth, uh, such as um, Seki and I did a scene with Neil Leahy and um, we were, it was, some, it was something to do with aliens on a, we, we were terraforming another planet, I believe. Right. And um, I wanted to say, I can't remember what I wanted to say, but the words out of my mouth were that's a potato and i wasn't intending to say the word potato because that <laughs> made absolutely no sense in the scene that we were in but it was then taken up because seki and neil are such brilliant improvisers they thought that this was such a, a wonderful gift <laughs> such a weird you know out of the blue from left field kind of gift of oh what 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 is so sinister about these potatoes is that how the aliens are propagating in this universe <laughs> um so that's where the scene then went it became like the potatoes were, were part of this whole big you know sinister alien cabal sort of thing um so yeah so sometimes brain fog can come up with brilliant um sort of ways round forgetting a particular word <laughs> uh, but yeah I set up the brain fog improv group because I wanted to create a space for other improvisers that might have this sort of symptom it's common to a lot of um, unseen conditions all sorts of um, psychological conditions neurological conditions um, autoimmune conditions a lot of them have similar kinds of things of brain fog of fatigue um and you know having trouble processing things yeah. or or sort of general sort of neurodivergence um if you want to, to term it like that um so yes yeah, so it's 
turned into a really nice community of really supportive people and it's a place where people can just sort of share their experiences without feeling like they're asking for sympathy or pity or yeah. things like that and people respond with oh yeah I've had that too it sucks and it's just nice to know that there's a place where you can talk about those things and share resources and we have a lot of people that have shared some really useful stuff that that can help other people to kind of deal with these sort of situations when they arise yeah what I like as well is there's a great opportunity for discussions on on the group and uh, there's no judgment you know people are out to just come mm. and, and and speak yeah openly and feel that their opinion will be accepted by others yeah absolutely i think facebook can be a, a difficult place sometimes to have discussions yeah. about <laughs> things because um sometimes it feels like you can't ever say the right thing or no matter what you say there will be somebody that might take it the wrong way yeah, and yeah. rather than having an open discussion some people might just say you can't say that that's completely inappropriate rather than tackling things in a in a sort of constructive way and, and saying this is why I disagree with what you've said or this is why I think what you've said is offensive like those ways of dealing with it are really useful but saying, how dare you say that? You can't say that, yeah. that's offensive. And then not giving not giving any kind of platform for the person to respond. Um, yeah, so it's it's been quite nice. And I, I like the fact that we've had, you know, we've had a couple of discussions on there that are not, not heated, but there has been some debate between people who are on different sides of an opinion about something. Yeah. But it's it, it was just a delight to me to see it being dealt with in such a, a mature and fair and open way yeah you know to have people say this is how I feel about this and somebody else say that's not my experience at all and actually I've had these experiences that mean that I have this understanding of this um scenario so yeah so it's it's a nice place where you can you can actually openly debate things i mean we don't tend to get into that many debates and i don't want to <laughs> set it up as like you know this isn't like a kind of a, a talk radio sort of thing <laughs> um, but it is a place where you can you can share your honest thoughts about things and your honest experiences of things and it's also in you know a very safe place to do so because anything is a private group so anything that's shared in that group is not shared anywhere else and so, yeah, so every now and again, we have a, a brain fog cafe. We're going to try and do those once a month. And that's just an opportunity for people to get together and discuss whatever they want to about improv and the experiences that they have as a, um, a person with an unseen condition. I'm always fascinated by how much you manage to fit into your schedule you're such yeah. a busy person you seem to have something going on every day improv related yeah um yeah i i've been trying to to kind of keep my diary a little bit more free um <laughs> because uh, yeah there's certainly been times where i've overloaded myself with with improv stuff and it can be really easy to do that but i think sometimes if you're doing improv stuff all of the time then your improv scenes might start to suffer because you've got 
no real world experiences <laughs> yeah. to, to draw from. And I know at the moment we're a bit sort of starved of real world experiences, but I think it's always useful just to make sure that you get time out to to do other things and to occupy your brain in another way for a little while. So I'm trying to make more of a conscious effort to kind of go, I know it's tempting to have a different <laughs> thing going on every night of the week, but you still need to rest. Uh, so let's just delve into Glossop Improv a little more and mm. tell us the story of, of how Glossop Improv uh, came to life. So Glossop Improv started, uh, it was just over two years ago. Uh, we just had our second um, anniversary or birthday, or however you want to term it. Um, it started through me meeting Seki through our local theatre, the Partington Theatre here in Glossop. Um, because I had moved to Glossop and I didn't know anybody that lived in Glossop. So the first thing I did, I think we moved in on the Thursday and on the Friday, I went wow. down to Partington Theatre <laughs> and said, hello, can I help out with anything? Uh, because I thought that's, that's a really easy way to get to know people. That's, yeah. you know, I, it's, it's a technique that has worked for me. <laughs> <through> <laughs> You know, house moves, like moving to a new place, it's find a social activity and, you know, get involved, you know, volunteer your time. And it's really just a nice way to meet people. So I'd met Seki through that and we got on really well. And she was passionate about improv. And I was like, wow, this is brilliant. <laughs> Somebody was passionate about improv. Um, but our, our nearest kind of improv group would be in Manchester. Uh, we, well, we've subsequently found out that there is one at New Mills, which is not too far away. Okay. Um, yeah, the only one that we knew of it at the time was once in Manchester. So after a little while, we decided that we really wanted to do some improv more often than we were happy to travel into Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we set up a, an improv um, session at uh, the Partington Theatre and then sort of people came along. And some of the people that are still at Glossop Improv to this day came along to our very first session. Ian Preston was uh, at our very first session and he's still with us to this yeah. day. So um, and yeah, so we we were at the Partington Theatre for a while and then we were above a pub called the Commercial Inn. Um, and it was always, we always had a, a reasonable number of people. Um, but at that time, a reasonable number is like, if if five or six people show up, that's great. <laughs> and now, now that we're online, it's like consistently like, oh, 12 people have turned up. Oh, 15 people have turned up yeah. this week. Probably. So yeah, so when the pandemic happened, I, I find it really difficult to visualize what improv would look like online because I'd only ever done it in person uh, much like uh, most improvisers I suppose and I sort of thought oh, I don't know if this is really going to work and also because Glossop Improv was such a, a sort of a group of friends as well it was yeah. such a sort of a community sort of aspect and there was a, such a strong kind of social aspect to it that I sort of thought oh, I'm not sure how this is going to work really so I sort of held back for a while from starting online sessions and then I tentatively did. And the first couple were a bit rubbish, really. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Look, I was trying to cram in too much, I think, and the the first couple of sessions were felt really hard going. And right. everything, everybody felt really tired because I was trying to do all of the circle games and uh, things that involve lots of, you know, then you, then you, pointy, pointy, pointy. <laughs> <laughs> and none of it really worked because you couldn't sort of make eye contact with anybody. Yeah. But over time, we sort of found our stride as we went along. And it's just grown and grown. And I'm sort of blown away by how much it has expanded. <laughs> just being part of the the Everybody Get In Here Festival, which is coming up. It was such a an honor to be included in the first one in, in sort of a small way. And then to be asked to be on the planning committee for this one. I'm always in the back of my mind thinking, eventually people are gonna realize how small Glossop is. <laughs> Glossop Improv actually is. But I think just because we've been so active and we just opened our doors to everybody and it's always going to be a community group in, in my mind and in my heart. Yeah. And that's one of the driving forces is everybody that interacts with us. We want them to go away with a little warm glow. That's more important to me than them being able to understand a particular format or being able to play a particular game. If people go away from us thinking, oh, that was a really nice way to spend an hour and a half, then we've achieved our goal as far as I'm concerned. And I think you mentioned the word community there. I think community yeah. has been so important during this <laughs> pandemic period of our lives and improv has given us all that community. And yes, there's like the, the Glossop improv community. We've got the Liverpool comedy improv community. Um, yeah. th there's so many, so many of the zigzag uh, is one yeah. that springs to mind and they all kind of cross over. You know, I go to LCI sessions and then I see people from those sessions in the gloss, Glossop sessions. And then yeah. those people are telling me about, oh, I went to this session with so-and-so, but they're all intertwined. So there's one big global community and lots yeah. of small communities within that. Yeah. I can't wait for the world tour that Glossop Improv is going to go on when we can, <laughs> when we can travel again. Because, yeah, we now have friends all over the world and in, in places that we probably never would have connected with. Yeah. If otherwise, you know, like the Improv Comedy Bangalore guys yeah. who I love yeah. and they're just, they're all so brilliant and such wonderful improvisers and wonderful people. And, you know, people all over the world, people in the Philippines, people in the rest of Europe, people in America, just so many incredible people that we, we get to interact with all the time. It's, it's so wonderful. And speaking of friends, Glossop Improv and friends is oh, that's something... A nice little <laughs> <laughs> that is something new that yeah, you've got starting this week, in fact. Uh, so when this interview goes out, it will have already happened. Um, but tell us about uh, Glossop Improv and Friends. Yeah, so we used to do a show called A Little Something Special that was just us doing about 45 minutes of short form. But I thought I want to include more people and I want to create opportunities for other people to have more 
sort of performance time. So it seemed that Glossop Improv and Friends would just be the best name for it because I've come across so many different people that have have groups but maybe don't get to perform that much or maybe don't have enough kind of material as it were um, for a whole show of just them so would benefit from just having 30 minutes or 20 minutes or yeah. 15 minutes however much they want so I sort of floated this on the internet thinking oh that'd be nice we'll get maybe you know one or two of, of our groups and we're now booked up until July <laughs> <laughs> because so many people got in touch saying oh I've been working on a, a duo with somebody else or I've um I've found this group I went on the was on this course and then we stayed in touch and so we've got all these people from all over the world and we've been looking for an opportunity to put this out there so we've got people um like we've got get a room who are uh, women over 50 they met through the vintage improv festival ah, cool. um we've got a group called murder cats <laughs> i'm i'm not entirely sure what they do but it's apparently quite <laughs> interesting okay. so that's going to be interesting and they're from all over the world well our first group that we're going to be with is the liz allen international fan club 2021 <laughs> which is <laughs> the staffily named uh group um sort of coordinated by David Escobedo um, and that's arisen from him getting together a bunch of other improvisers to take a improv basics 101 class with Liz Allen and that's what I was saying about people that teach making sure that they're still doing that kind of thing and David has done such a good job of creating this sort of community of practice that I'm so excited to see what that group does for, for the uh, Glossop Improv and Friends that we've got on Thursday. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. And so we've spoken a lot about sort of the, the studying of improv and constantly mm. bettering yourself. I'd like to know your opinion on an improviser like me who, yes, I do do courses, but I I kind of prefer to just rely on my instincts and just yeah. so how, how do you feel about about people just relying on their instincts? Yeah, I think yeah, you have to as an improviser. Um because your instincts are, are all you have, really. Yeah. You, you know, your instincts are the way that you put into practice the things that you've absorbed through through classes and through other things. And Explain to me a little bit about what you mean. By okay, so basically, it. I call myself a lazy improviser. Okay. I, I, I give little thought to things beforehand and little thought to things after in terms of reflection. I just love to turn up and do it, be in the moment, and then move on. Because, you know, I'm very busy and yeah. improv to me, it's that chance to just break away from the hectic life that I live, be in that moment as someone completely different, and then go back to reality if that makes sense yeah absolutely so it sounds like for you improv is almost like a like a mindfulness practice of being in the moment you know not not thinking about 
anything that's come before, anything that's going to come after, you're just there, present, you're just in the moment. I think that's what everybody is trying to achieve through (laughs) through improv. It's just that people go about it in different ways. And I think there's room for all different ways you want to go about it. If you want to get super nerdy and super academic about it, then by all means do it. If you want to just turn up, do it, and that's that, and it's done, that's fine too. There's there's room for, for all of this kind of thing. I think that le- you have to you have to learn the basics in order to be able to kind of function well in a scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's more about learning how best to, to work with others. You know, so your your instincts are really good as well. So I don't think we have anything to <laughs> worry about um and i think that you you say that you're you're working off instinct but actually i think you're probably drawing on the skills that you've honed as a teacher and all of those things that you've you've learned about how to how to help other people how to support other people because you do that day in day out for your job that is so ingrained in you that that has become your instinct whereas for other people maybe they need to do a bit more of the 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 practice and a bit more of the learning to grasp those skills until it becomes an instinct for them so i think that's that's maybe i think that's maybe what's what's going on there i don't think you're a lazy improviser (laughs) there's a there's a great way to look at it because i often uh, i often compare being a teacher to being a long-term soap opera character. So someone that's been that character for years and years and years, and they've developed that character over time. And whereas, so when I'm Mr. Jones in school, I I am me, but I'm a version of me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, yeah, I'm really interested that you think like that because that's what I try and get across to people in my sessions about public speaking. I tell them about how I prepare for improv you know, I always put on perfume. I mean, it's it's wasted now because of one, but <laughs> yeah. you know, if you could smell me, I smell wonderful. <laughs> um, I always put on perfume. I um, I do a little bit of exercise just before I do a show or anything like that, just to get some adrenaline going. And it allows me to sort of channel my feelings into a particular persona, which is my, you know, either I'm, if I'm, comparing the show it's my comparing presenting persona if I'm performing in a show it's I put it into my performance and I think that's such a useful kind of skill to learn that that idea of it's like you're putting on a different coat you know it's, it's still you it's just you you're putting on this little layer over the top that allows you to to be appropriate for that situation so yeah in that sense I think teaching is no different from improv. Improv yeah. is no different from um, presenting at a work meeting. Or We all do this all the time. We all sort of code switch. We change the way we speak slightly. We change the way we gesture slightly. We don't talk in the same way. I don't talk in the same way to my husband that I would do when I was presenting at work. That, yeah. that would be really weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we've all got different aspects of ourselves that we show in different settings. So 
being aware of that and learning how to use that to your advantage is such a benefit as an improviser. And I think in an improv scene, what I really enjoy is I'm, I can just be unapologetically me. I don't have to be what I think I should be to other people. So yeah. whether it's teaching or when I was in a band or, you know, I used to be a ring announcer for a wrestling company and it was great. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, but it's very hard to be the announcer, which you're the focal point, yeah. but make sure that you're not the focal point because the yeah. attention isn't supposed to be on you. It's supposed to be yeah. on the wrestlers that you're introducing to the ring and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so to come and just play and improv and just feel like, yeah, I can just be me and I can just enjoy being me. I've really yeah. loved that. Yeah. And I find that it can be really useful for not, not necessarily like therapy, but in terms of looking over your past experiences and being able to bring them to your improv is really useful. And that's something that I've really found in the, the course that I'm doing at the moment with Queen City Comedy. And it's, it's down to, to Carla Dingle's amazing teaching. Um, she's so good at getting you to sort of access your past experiences and take the, the sort of sense memories and the emotions and to put them into scenes. So we've done some scenes that have been way more emotional and weighty and personal than I think I've ever done before but it's felt completely supported and completely safe to do so and also completely natural to do so it hasn't felt contrived or like you're trying to dredge up some huge emotion <laughs> or something like that um, it's been really really useful and sometimes something will completely surprise me. We could we could do a scene and I can, I did, I did a scene the other day and after the scene, I realized that although I was interacting with my scene partner, I was actually talking to somebody from my past. Oh. And I was, say, I was saying the things to the scene partner that I had wanted to say to that person from my past and it was so powerful but we all kind of went away from it feeling absolutely safe and absolutely comfortable to do that and I thought that was such a such a powerful important kind of thing to learn and yeah that's why that's why I'm keen to get people to be vulnerable and be emotional yeah. in it because you can create some art, you can create some real moving emotion. And you, you know, from the, the session that we did on Friday that, you know, there was real emotional weight to some yeah. of the scenes. And when you can do that and you can do it and it feels all right to do it and you feel safe and you feel supported to do that, then that's when you're being really honest and you're being really truthful because you're working from your own emotional core. It might be that the setting is made up, but or the and the characters are made up, but there's something true in that emotion because it's it's emotions that you've felt in a different way and in a different time and place. Yeah. But the more that you can bring those sort of things to bear in improv, I think 
the richer your improv will become. There's something Jen Kenny said when I interviewed her for the podcast, and she said, improv isn't therapy, but it is therapeutic. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've just seen the time, so we're going to have to bring this to a close, unfortunately. But just before we go, um, do you want to plug things, tell people where they can find Glossop Improv or anything else you want to plug? Yeah, if you look on Facebook for Glossop Improv, uh, you can find us there and that'll have all the details of our upcoming shows. And also, if you look for Brain Fog Improv, you can join our lovely community there. You don't have to have an unseen condition to join. If you're just interested in, in finding out a bit more about other people's experiences, then it's a great place to do that as well. I think that's great if people are running workshops, great for them to come along to get an understanding yeah. of the sorts of people that might be coming to their Absolutely. sessions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, there we go. Thank you so much. That was a lovely chat. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Take care. Well, thank you so much to Jess. I really enjoyed that chat and I just love talking about improv in such depth and finding out how it really impacted the lives of the people that are in it. And you can tell that Jess has just got a real passion for it and the way that she helps others to tap in to their passion through everything that she does is just truly fantastic. So I do advise that you take any sessions you can uh, with Glossop Improv, with Jess herself, uh, any anywhere you see that Jess is putting on a show or creating an opportunity for people to perform, just get involved because you will love it and you'll learn so much from her. Now, if you're interested in getting into improv or, or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram we are at Live Comedy Improv. We've also got a Facebook page for the podcast, so search for the show on Facebook and give us a like, share our posts, anything you can do to help us will be much appreciated. And if you're a member of the LCI community and you would like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we will make the arrangements as soon as possible. Don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Uh, rate the show subscribe to the show uh, whatever you can do to help us get our name out there is just really appreciated you can find me on social media personally by searching for ian luke jones on youtube facebook twitter instagram uh, on youtube i've got all sorts of videos for you to check out including lots of improv videos so please do check that out if you are part of an improv troupe and you're looking for somewhere to perform then get in touch with gossip improv uh, as jess said in this chat they are looking for people to perform with as part of gossip improv and friends and don't forget if you want your improv fix liverpool comedy improv is where it's at and if you get in early each week by booking before a certain day the week before then you can get a little bit of a discount on your sessions too and there's not just the drop-ins there's plenty of other things beginners courses intermediate courses advanced courses musical improv courses there's so much to so keep your eye on what liverpool comedy improv are doing because there's so much for you to enjoy well thank you very much I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. 
Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv and yes and.